Welcome to the Hope United Church Podcast. We are one church with two locations. For video live streams of our services and more information, please visit www.hopeunited.org.uk. Here we are in his last day. Uh, this is the Thursday before uh, uh, before he's crucified, and here he is at the start of the last day as we spoke about it, washing disciples' feet. And this is what we're going to talk about continually this morning. We may not get through many more verses. I maybe get to verse 22. Considering we stopped at 17, 18, sorry, last week, uh, 17, sorry, last week, it's not really an awful lot we're getting through, but there's a lot in it. Uh, and we don't want to rush this at all because I don't think there's anything more important than, uh, than becoming a servant and what it means to become a servant. Uh, let me just say before again, uh, I know the, the women were up in Dundee on, uh, some of the women were up in Dundee on uh, Wednesday night and I think it was Joanne and Stacey was talking. Obviously, I wasn't there, but in all intents purposes, I heard it was an amazing night where women were just sharing their heart uh, and very humbly sharing their journey uh, and where they've been and where they're going and doing uh, it with such willingness and uh, I'm sure some fear as well, but mostly courage. Uh, and mostly courage... Uh, to face your own issues. Courage to face uh, your own issues. No courage to be a superstar, but courage to face your own issues, which is an amazing thing. Uh, truly an amazing thing to, to, to become like that. Now, if I say that, I can imagine you saying, oh, you know, but, but I never faced my issues yesterday. No, we know. You don't need to say that. We know. We know it's a journey to facing that stuff, but generalising... To be able to do that is, a, is an amazing thing. And ever since I've been saved, I've always found them. Uh, the people who have got the greatest opinion are always the one with the least amount of personal courage to face their own issues. The people with the greatest opinions are almost always the ones who don't have the courage to face their own issues where they're telling everybody about theirs. Uh, I've found that for years. And as we delve into uh, John 13, Jesus' final day, this is uh, really where Jesus is. He's going to such a depth, he's serving and washing feet. If you put up the, the title this morning, uh, the title is Self-Denial, the True Measure of a Believer. Self-Denial, the True Measure of a Believer. Maybe you were brought up in charismatic church when you thought the true measure of a believer was that you could shabba-dabba-do and pray in tongues and uh, see signs and wonders and have angels uh, hovering about your head or see gold dust coming out your hand or something like that. Maybe you thought that was the, the measure of, of, of being a true disciple, but a true measure of a believer is, uh, for me is in the, the ability to learn, to learn and to start to walk a life of denying yourself and your selfish ambition. That is the true measure. Uh, it's a lot more effort than you can ever imagine. Washing feet and... You remember when Jesus is washing feet? He's not saying that we need to all go and get a basin and a towel and wash feet. It's metaphorical for the servant that you become in your heart. Uh, uh, 
washing feet requires a lot more effort than using water in a towel. Let me put it another way. Washing someone's feet who doesn't love you requires a lot more effort than a... Wouldn't it be great if you could just love someone and say, I don't really love you, I don't really like you, but I've got some water and a towel here, and that'll take care of everything. You just know that that ain't going to take care of what's going on inside you, doesn't it? It's a lot more than that. Uh, it's a rigorous journey into self-denial, self-depreciation, self-sacrifice, deep soul-searching, honest truth-tellers in your life, blood, sweat and tears. Uh, that's what Jesus himself had to face in Gethsemane, blood, sweat and tears in order to deny himself uh, if it's at all possible have this cup removed from me but yeah not my will your will be done and Jesus was in this the fully man fully God but the fully man part is totally in a battle as he can't touch deity or sovereignty meaning that he can't just Jesus as a man could not just steal heavenly things he had to face everything that man had to face he doesn't have an unfair advantage uh, when it comes to dealing with flesh. He doesn't have an unfair advantage in dealing with that. Uh, what did Jesus have to do in Gethsemane? Soul search, pray, blood, sweat, tears, deny self. And it's impossible and in this whole passage about becoming a servant. I think it's important, I know it's impossible to become a, a servant to people if you can't get over yourself. You can't serve people if you can't get over yourself. In fact, the reason you don't serve people is you can't get over yourself. And the reason I don't serve people well enough is because I can't get over myself. No, but it's, no, I'm not even going there. You just can't get over yourself. You know, uh, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Uh, I think Jesus is a lot going on. I don't know about you, but I think he maybe had a wee bit more going on than you. I think he no, no, Mark, you don't know the week I've had. No, I'm telling you, he had more going on than you. He had more going on than you. Always. Oh, but, but it's not been easy this week. It's impossible to become a servant to people when you can't go over yourself. Why? If Jesus had to go to such lengths to deny himself, look at the length that Jesus had to go to to deny himself. And he laid down his life do we think as a believer we don't need to do anything? Or anything of that kind to become like that? Pass the Tic Tacs room. <laughs> I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding. I think the cinema here. Well, you you'll get a popcorn. I'm talking about serious stuff here. Do you remember when you were in school? You used to, did you ever pocket munch at school? Pocket munch at school? And then the teacher would hit you with that sucker punch. Have you got enough for everyone, Mark? No, I've only got ten pence worth and I've got cop cops. I've only eight in it. I get bonbons, they're heavy. Fudge. I've only got three bits. Enough for everyone. <laughs> to truly love and serve people. All people. And I'll say that again, to truly love and serve people. All people. If we were mere pragmatic, I would say everybody say all people, but I won't. Uh, it requires a lot of soul searching. A whole lot of scary conversations. Seriously scary, scary conversations to serve everybody. A whole lot of tears and a whole lot of vulnerability to learn to become someone who serves all people. 
If you think that you don't need that, or if you think you can become Christ-like by bypassing what I've just said, because many people do, then I will guarantee you, and I think many others would testify, that you're no servant. In fact, maybe you're no Christian at all. You know, I hear Christians say, when I say something like, well, Jesus has done it all for us, and... He's done all the work for us. Mm. Yeah, that part. Really, and sometimes I say, and really, so you, you, you don't need to work in anything now? You're never angry. You could just stop there, can I? I don't need to see the next line here. Never, I just, I just, just stop there. You're never angry. You're never judgmental. Never bitter. Never rude. Such a feet washer. No matter what. And I would say you're a liar. So I'd say you're a liar if that's the case. Servants, true servants, don't serve a type or a few people. Jesus is teaching us here, as he has throughout, of serving all people. All types of people. More to the point, we're becoming a type of person. No person who serves a type of people, but we're becoming a type of person, and if you're not learning to be a servant to all or desiring, maybe you're not a servant to all, but are you desiring to be a servant to all? Desiring to be a servant to all, you're possibly not in him, or at best, not anywhere near, near dealing with what I've just said about denying yourself, having scary conversations, pouring your heart out, being vulnerable, Sharing the problems, dilemmas, having somebody that you can talk to about that, and I don't mean somebody that agrees with you. A denial of self or a journey to denying self. Maybe you're not around that, scary conversations. You need certain accountability for that. You need humility for that. Uh, and if that's not in your walk, if that's not in your daily walk, there's not even been a breather here, haven't you know? Haven't you know? You know what's that this morning? The music was lovely, that's lovely. There's not even a breather here. If that's no near your walk though, any of that stuff, you're no servant. Or maybe you're very limited to who you're serving. Why is this the case of so many? And why is the church no helped? Never a message where we thought me having a go at some of this stuff. Why is the church no helped? Why is the church no raising feet washers? <laughs> Why are we no? Because the church has become obsessed with success and gifting and talent. The, the whole ethos is built on that and achieving that goal. Programs and groups and sermons. In fact, that's all there is. So now behaviour, and this is where I'm going now, behaviour modification is the goal to achieve that. And here becomes the danger. I know he's all, most of you anyway. And like me, you know how to behave like a Christian when it suits you. Because you've learned how to behave like a Christian when it suits you. And you can pick anything, especially when you listen to certain me, you go, I can pick all the Christian stuff. And I can see all the right things. I wrote a post last night as I'm studying about uh, 
learn not to respond to people that's only getting in touch with you awful to pretend that they're trying to get well. <laughs> yeah. I had to learn that, that just because it's a behaviour modification uh, way of living without really dealing with anything. Behaviour modification is the goal to achieve that, i.e. behaving without believing. Becoming a servant who doesn't need to surrender. How can you become a servant? How can you become a servant that doesn't need to surrender? Uh, we don't know believers today in church, especially the modern church, most churches. You don't know believers today by their fruit, love, joy, peace. You don't know believers today by you don't know a believer today by their ability to wash feet, by their humility, by their serving, by their love. You know what we know believers today in the modern church? By their gifting and calling. That's what our believers distinguish with today. We know them by their gift. Don't know them by their servant, but we know them by their gifting and calling. That's, that's where it's measured today. Then the rules and the programs and the rituals and ways of doing things uh, is what creates that. We're trying to get the gifts and talents out of your heart. We used to say that. Trying to get the gifts and talents out of your heart. Trying to get the gifts and talents out of your heart. And then scripture, this is what scripture says, okay? There's none good in you. Your heart's wicked above all things. The last time we want is to get the gifts and talents out of your heart. <laughs> get, that doesn't mean to say that God's no bestowed the things in you. But when that becomes the, the sole focus, which is in the most of the modern pragmatic church and the charismatic churches, it's all about getting the gifts and talents. It's all about your gift and your talent. And the rules and the rituals and the way that the church is built is based on that. Solely based on that. And here's the problem. They can be easily imitated. Basically, it's easy to imitate that you're better than what you're in that type of living. Yeah. In that type of church, you can get away with literally murder because just sing louder. Write a song. No, just <laughs> you're not going to measure it on getting between people's toes. <laughs> it's measured on something else. It can be easily imitated. It can be mimicked <coughs> without truly dealing with self. So we've got in the church today. You can mimic being a Christian without really dealing with anything today. You can mimic being a Christian without ever, ever really getting to the nitty gritty because it's no measured and here's Jesus in chapter 13 saying I'm not going to measure on what you think you'll do or what you know, I'll be going to measure on your level of servant I'm going to level it and no, no the level of servant, I don't mean level of servant with a mic or a guitar I mean the level of servant and washing feet levelly and how you love people and serve people and how you cope when people don't love you it can be mimicked without truly dealing with self and without Ever become, you know, you can become, you can get to a gaffer's job. We just got us kind of church in a gaffer now, aren't you? <laughs> You're a gaffer now. You can get to a gaffer's job in church. It's a bit like driving, in a sense, it's not like driving, but let me just give you an example. You can pass your driving test without ever driving in the dark and driving in the rain. Isn't that mental? <laughs> Don't you think that's mental? You ever, see if I had to say, you ever try to drive in the M8 into Glasgow at night in the rain? 
Do you think your driving lessons prepared you for that? You're like, oh, I can't cope here. Do you remember when you passed your driving test, you just go to junction, you're like, I have not got a clue what to do here. I, I don't even know where, if, I don't even know what to do here. I, I, I just need to follow this motor in front of me here. Because I have no, I still, you ever go to junction, like, I don't know, if I, where, where have I to go here? And you get to a junction, like, I've, and then you realise that you're sitting at the give way and the bit that the motor's coming down, you're like, I'm leaving in the right. And that's how it can drive. It's a bit like that. You can, you can pass your test. Can he drive in the rain? Can he drive in the dark? I know people that's passed their driving test and they still can't drive in the motorway. I know a girl, I'm no joking here when I say this. I know a girl. Now, this is hard. This, this, think about this. Now, maybe some of you don't know what it is, right? So, well, most of you will. So, the Glasgow Fort is a shopping centre, right? It's dead easy to find, but you need to go into the motorway. That's all, that's all. You just go into the motorway and it's about five junctions along the motorway there. It's dead simple. Fully them eight, motorway cut off. This last girl's been driving for years, can't go in the motorway. She always goes to the fort. But three days it takes her. <laughs> <laughs> Has to go via Campus Lang, Rutherglen, halfway. I mean, what? <laughs> Seriously. The point I'm making is, I'm not having a go at nervous drivers. I think the older I get, the... I don't know about you, but is any of these you get a bit older? Like, for your 50s? No. <sighs> you just get a bit... I don't really get nervous about my driving. I get more nervous for other people's driving. Is any of like that? You're like, I, I worry. I, I say, please drive carefully. Please drive carefully. I'm, I'm constantly up now, and it's, it's getting worse. And I think when you see accidents, or you've been in one, I've not been in one, praise the Lord, but I've... Uh, I'm not major, but I've seen them anyway. The point I'm making is, you're taking me off here. I'm stop asking me. The point I'm making is, is uh, <laughs> we can come to church and we can learn very quickly to pass the Christian test. Yeah. We can't drive in the rain. Can't go to the can't go to the fort. Don't know that's going to help. <laughs> you get what I mean? Because yeah. you've learned very quickly. And if the goal's to achieve something, and if the goal's success-driven, and the goal's about your gifting and talent, then we're never teaching people to become feet washers. And it's so easy mimicked. You never truly teach to become people who deny yourself. When you build a church on a set of rules and behaviours and goals that are no geared towards biblical discipleship, You'll soon develop a... Show me a church that's no building it on biblical discipleship and I'll show you a church full of imposters. Imposters. They might not all be imposters in them. They've just not heard the word. They, they've allowed people to get in another way. Soon develop a church full of imposters. I don't know about you. I sometimes still feel like an imposter and I'm saying... Oh, oh, oh. I don't know if you sometimes feel that way. Oh. Used to be like, ah, it's a bit less so now. I'd go up in the morning to come to church to preach, and I'm like, I, I can't go. I'm not well enough. <laughs> I'm not well enough to go. I'm an imposter. Like, you need to go how? You're the pastor. <laughs> we'll get a wealth of people who can box tick. And, and the, the point I'm making is, and I'm highlighting is, you can never be a feet washer and a box ticker. It's the point. 
You cannot be a feet washer. You can't box tick feet washing. Because it's impossible to feet wash people that you hate. <laughs> or you continue to resent. It's impossible to do that without Christ. Then working your heart and changing you and denying yourself. People who can, you can maybe do it. You can't even go to any effort to do it, you know. Not really drying them right. People can bop ticks that never truly been honest or humble themselves or surrender. And the church is becoming and it has been fully opinionated non-feet washers. Opinionated non-feet washers. They've got an opinion about everyone washing anybody's feet. Opinion about everyone serving nobody. Opinion about everything never turn up. Opinion about everyone don't, don't support anybody. Opinion about everything. Can't you go and stand beside your brother and sister in Christ when they're in struggles? And the devil wants to mimic. See, because it's dead easy. And here's the, here's the deal here. The devil finds it really easy to mimic that kind of thing. Okay, the devil can't... Does the devil try to mimic the Holy Spirit? Absolutely, the devil tries to mimic the Holy Spirit. Of course he does. He, put, he masquerades himself as an angel of light. Of course he does. The devil wants to mimic the spirit. This is what he tries to do. He manipulates in order to turn, you ready? Flesh into spirit. He turns flesh into spirit. This is absolutely pandemic in the charismatic church. They turn flesh into spirit. They call the things of man as the things of God. This is what Puritan John Owen says. You ever want a wee easy read? Read some John Owen stuff. The mortification of the flesh. Try reading that. Try, try reading that and feeling good about yourself after five minutes. Uh, and John Owen was an amazing man. I'll not get into details about John Owen. No, I, I'll not give the exact details. I've said that before. You know, John Owen is, I think he had ten kids and nine of them died before they got to double figures. And he had to constantly, constantly deny his, uh, some of these are, you no know, quote me, a cracked egg. <laughs> um, ten, <laughs> these kids dying out of ten before it, and he oh, and he was still learning to crucify his flesh and amongst us. This is what he says: how you can distinguish between spirit and serpent. Here, hear this: the spirit does not work in us to give us new rules to life. <laughs> Try telling that to a charismatic. Eh? The Spirit does not live on us to give us new rules to life. The Spirit works in us to help us understand the rule contained inside Scripture. How good's that? And I've seen it over the years. You go, you know, they, they, they're using, the people in church, they're, they're using God's, to God's, See, see, you're ever in a debate with somebody say God's... I hear people saying this all the time. I'm not in church now. God's not told me yet. I'm like, God's not told you. Who's going to tell you? The Holy Spirit. I say, Listen to what John Owen says next, just and I'll get back to that. The Spirit will always be in harmony with the Word. And a true believer will have great joy in the Word. In that Word, even if it's marked with pain, sorrows, or struggles. And we've got a wealth of people who's saying God said this to me, God said that to me, and it's no lining up with scripture. It's what, it's what one says. It's uh, the spirit, they think the spirit is working in them to give them a rule for life that's no lining up with scripture. If you're ever debating 
or having a chat or a conversation with a so-called believer and they're making up their own ideas that doesn't line up with scripture. It's not the Holy Spirit speaking to them because the Holy Spirit can't speak differently from what Jesus does. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, each one of them complement each other. They cannot contradict each other. Yeah. They're the same. The Holy Spirit's no going, the, the word's no going to say planted in the house of God you'll flourish and, go, and, and then the Holy Spirit says stay out of church for a wee while and just get yourself right. It's not going to say that because it's contradictory to each other. It's the same voice and same heart and, and I could give you a million more examples of that. Hey, most of the church ain't measuring anyone's faith any more than self-denial. That's not what it's measured on. It's not measured on humility honesty or accountability in the charismatic church it's married in whether you can get gold dust you can shabba dabba do interpret tongues or whatever it is you can do certainly no measure in self-denial it's measured on maybe commitment certainly pragmatic church uh, commitment to give lots more money that's for sure <laughs> it's measured on your commitment to give more money that'll get you a gaffer's job some churches at will. It's measured on giving lots of positivity. I can fake that. I can even give money and fake I'm a Christian. I don't know if any of you's done this. I did. Did any of you's? No, it's hypothetical. It's, 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 what do you call that word? Rhetorical. You don't need to answer me back here. Okay. Did any of you's ever give? I, I'd never mind any of you's. I did. Okay, never mind any of you's. I did. I... You could see, we used to have given numbers in our church for, so that you could claim back your tax. No, some people go, oh, I don't agree with that. No, I don't know why you don't agree with it. But anyway, uh, see my giving number when I first got saved, you could have seen it for the moon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no kidding, you could have seen that. My, go and, turn around and look at that number in the back. It says 19 minutes. That's how long it got to go, right? It was, that's how big my giving number was. <laughs> I wasn't happy that I had a given number. I wanted a given name. <laughs> Don't give me a given number. Give me a given name. Mark. Look. <laughs> Honestly. I could fake. I could fake that I was a servant. You can even fake you're a servant and given, so that's not going to be a good measure. Give lots of positivity. Lots of time. No, dead committed to everything. Give lots of amens. I was a big amener. Bring it. Preach it. That's right. Come on now. Come on, that's right. Come on. Yeah, come on. That's right, that's right. Oh, preach it, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. I'm in. I'm like a gaffer. Level enthusiasm is astounding here. <laughs> Do you know why? Because I was able to sound like a Christian and know how to say the right things. It doesn't mean to say I wasn't a Christian, but I was certainly very early days, to say the least. Yet there's so little, so little in the church on denying ourselves and loving those and praying for those who are against us or spitefully use us. Even if we are talking about it, we're certainly no measure on it. And that's the true measure. 
And I spend any time with leaders, and honestly, if I spend any time with leaders, I've got this it's like wee, it's like wee antenna goes up. And I'm trying to listen to them. I'm listening to them. I'm trying to listen to them. Sometimes. <laughs> I'm trying to listen to them. And where I'm listening from, I'm listening for the level of their pain threshold. That's what I'm listening for. I'm listening. Where are you able to handle? You know, I meet loads of ministers over here and they're like, oh, I got an email four weeks ago. I mean, I met, I met a minister a wee while ago, pastor a wee while ago, and uh, the church was, we were going through some controversy. We'll just call it that. I'm not trying to downplay this in any way when I said that that way, sorry. And he says that we're in the process, we're in the process of getting a new building. He says, all right, all right. And he says, I don't think I should associate you with you for a wee while. I says, no problem. No, no problem. I, 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 I totally get that. I says, no problem. That's, that's, that's great. Thanks, mate. Appreciate you, brother. That's what he says. You need to probably disassociate a wee bit, you know. Don't want any heat on us with this stage. I says, no problem. You have told me that before about you, the meal. <laughs> I'm intrigued with the fact that it's, it's an understatement. I'm intrigued. I'm totally intense about how they talk about dealing with persecution and disagreement and division and gossip and being offended. That's really where Montana's up. Uh, it's a way, way better way to measure, and I'm not judging, but measure uh, where they're at than them telling me about their programmes or their extension. <laughs> oh, I'm not really, no, Mike, we're building a big extension. Right, okay, that's great. No. Or tell me about their sermon series. It's, 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 a, it's a greater measure. It's a, great, it's a greater measure than anything else somebody's talking to you about, don't you think? This is why Jesus is spending his last day totally saturating himself with this stuff. In fact, his last days, five, six chapters. And really, does the church truly address it? Doesn't he address stinking thinking, gossip, secretiveness, unreliability? Unless, of course, it's based on performance that brings success. Little talking, denying herself and her first love, honestly, of. I've had enough conversations with pastors and ministers and people to know that it's, it's really addressed for the platform in the modern church today. We John, 1 John, 1 John 4, 18, 19. There's 1 John at the back, so you can see it on the screen, but we John, the epistles to John. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out all fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Do you think the greatest thing Jesus done was turn water into wine? Or feed the thousands? Or heal the blind? Or raise the dead? Do we think that's what the greatest thing Jesus did? The greatest thing Jesus did was serve people. Even the wine and the feeding and the healing was only about serving. In chapter 14, which we'll get to in about, I don't know, about October or something, it seems to be the now. Uh, 
about Christmas 2024. Uh, by the time we get to chapter 14, it's amazing. It's chapter 14 is Jesus is still pouring this out. This is what he says, and I'll just fast forward to it quickly. John 14, 12. Most of the surely I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now many think greater things are miracles. This is what they think. They think that greater things are miracles. In fact, we know that's know that because I'll tell you how we know that's know what the greater things means. Most of us have been in the Gospel of John. We've been walking through this for 13 chapters. And through the 13 chapters or the first 12 chapters of the Gospel of John, there's one thing that seems to be highlighted constantly. It's how Jesus is downplaying miracles and, and, and diminishing the, the folks' desire for miracles over their desire for relationship with him. Correct? Okay? So see, the thing is, if that's what Jesus is constantly addressing, why then would we believe that when he says greater things we will do, we think it's miracles? You'll never do greater miracles than Jesus. And people say, ah, oh, but collectively we'll do greater miracles. No, you're not. Uh, no, no, no. No like that. No like that. Do you know anybody that's fed 5,000 with two loaves and five fish since Jesus' time? Greater things we will do. We'll feed 30,000 with half a loaf. Got to feed 30,000 with a slice of bread. We've actually fed 17 million folk with half a tin of sardines. It's not going to happen, is it? That's not the greater things. And scripture tells that. People are desperate for more. What is the goal of John's gospel? That we would believe Jesus is Lord and that we would have life in his name. So what's the greater things that we would see more? More people saved. Of course we're going to see more people saved. And guess what we have? All Jesus' ministry was in the Palestine region. Okay? Israel and the surrounding areas. By the time the apostles and Jesus is ascended and sent the Holy Spirit, they start to bring the gospel to India. They go to further reaches. Now in 2020, the gospel's in the four corners of the earth. People are getting saved from all corners of the earth. That's the greater things. It's the greater things is the glory of God and people being saved. More people would know his love, know his grace, know his mercy. Apostles went way further than Jesus. And we've went way further than them. Seven people is not about standing up here or sharing your gifts. Seven people is about doing good to people. And it's particularly doing good for people that, <laughs> that you need to get free from. The measure of a true servant is how they love and care for them who have got nothing to give you back. Well, that's not true. They've got something to give you back, but nothing good. Not just stay types, but it's a real measure. I remember sitting in a conference reading a verse and having this debate with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you ever had this conversation, you know, the word speaking to you. And at the time, I was very wary. It's many, many years ago, and I was very wary. People, and people, to be honest with you, people are getting right on my nerves, to be honest with you. And I was struggling with dealing with people and selfishness and all that stuff. My own as well. Uh, and there were people were literally doing my box in. 
I remember sitting at the conference, and I don't know if the pastor was talking about this or the preacher was talking about this, but I was sidetracked anyway. I know some of you get that when I'm talking as well. So I get that, you end up, you end up in a way other thing. You know, I certainly did. Yeah. And this is the scripture that I was kind of reading at the time or studying, and I don't know if the pastor was at the time, I can't remember. It was so long ago. Uh, Matthew 15, 37-40. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and I say to them, as surely I say to you, and so much as you did to one of the least, big word, least of these, my people, you did unto me. Okay, you may be thinking, well, I do that. I do that with my loved ones, my family. I serve them and, and they're never grateful. Some of you could say that, yeah. I serve my family, I serve my loved ones. They're never grateful. I get none back. That's not true. You do get some back. You do get something back. It usually feeds your dependency. So you do get something back. It feeds your dependency. So you're getting something back. What about them that don't give you anything? What about them that give you nothing and are nothing more than a thorn? What about them you're jealous of? I wash their feet. What about them that you, and I don't mean wash their feet in a, a derogatory way, I mean date in a gentle, loving way, care about it, you want to do it. What about them that you compare yourself to? A lot of comparing in church, aren't you? you? Just look at people because of how they talk. And you go, oh, they must have that, you know. You don't have no clue. What about them that seem to be popular? Try to say every name when you don't feel very popular. What about them that get picked when you don't? What about them that don't care about your problems? Or struggles. What about their people? They don't care. They only constantly talk about their problems. They can't help you or talk to you about anything because they're too busy consumed with themselves. What about them? Yeah. What about them that seem to think that they are the centre of the universe no matter what you do? <laughs> they just can't seem to consider you whatsoever. Here is one. What about them that you know don't like you? <laughs> and you know that they're scheming to hunt your back? I'll say that again because I think that's a classic. What, what about them that you know? They don't know that you know, but you know. <laughs> they don't know that you know, but you know. You know. Isn't it amazing that Judas didn't think that Jesus knew? Don't you think that's astounding? Do you think that's astounding that he thought he was going to get away with that? He's like, three years he's walking with Jesus. Jesus is confronting everybody, left, right and centre. Just walk, walking by, like, walking by Fraser Lattway and I'll just tell you everything that's going on in Euphie birthday now. In fact, I'll tell you exactly what you're thinking. In fact, I'll tell you you're thinking about thinking about thinking about thinking. And Judas is sitting like, I'll never get fun out. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? What about them that you know they don't like you and know they are scheming behind your back? Well, I'll not be doing anything for them. No way. No way. You used to end up going North Lanarkshire when you look at the road to ruin. <laughs> so on, isn't it? Ernest has looked at me and like, I have no idea what you just said there. <laughs> what about them you have been so inclusive to? Them you have believed in? 
But no matter what, you know they hate you. Don't you think that's some measure? Don't you think that's where we should be measured? Uh, no gold dust or some other nonsense? Don't you think that's what the real measure is? The plumb line? What would show a level of maturity in the church? Certainly not a clanging symbol, isn't it? No? 1 Corinthians 13, although I can speak with the tongues of angels and of all these things, but yet if I don't have love. Okay, as time's gone here, I've got six minutes to go and that's us just getting to the scripture. It's only a couple of verses, okay. Last week we read up to verse 17. Jesus is, that's my introduction. <laughs> Jesus has just washed all the disciples' feet, including Judas, whom he knew would betray him. Okay, he's just washed Judas's feet. And it says, John 13, 15 to 17, where we finished last week. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to, to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who is seen, sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Jesus is showing how we should copy him, how truly we should be serving, not that we should wash feet, but that we should be humble and inwardly a servant to all. No a slave, a servant. Too many people are slaves to people and want to be served by God. If you're a slave to people, you'll always, always, virgin, want to be served by God when you're a slave to people. Okay? Always bringing... Pray, certain prayers to God that's always about him serving you. Instead of slaves to God, you serve people. Big difference. He says, a servant is no greater than his master. Get this, okay? This is what Jesus says in the scripture. A servant is no greater than masters. So here's the thing. This is what Jesus is saying. Okay, we'll break it down. If you can't serve everyone... Jesus is saying, so you're above me now. Read that scripture when you, on your own and you, you'll find that. It's no hard. A servant's no greater than his master. If you can't serve everyone, Jesus is serving Judas here. If you can't serve everyone, Jesus is saying, so you think you're above me? You think you're greater than me? Think of it that way. You don't really think of it that way when you don't serve people that don't like you. You think, I'm no servant name. Because I'm actually thinking I'm above Jesus. That's exactly what you're doing. Anyone who can't serve all is placing themselves above Jesus. Who did what? Served all. Think about it. I mean, we just flick through these scriptures and we think, it's, it's, I mean, you need to go some way to misunderstand that, wouldn't you? Anyone who's not serving all is placing themselves above Jesus. He's teaching the disciples this vital lesson. When I leave you, if you do not do as I do, you're placing yourself above me. I was talking to someone recently and I was telling them something that is, can be happened to me. And, and with the right heart, they said, that's no nice or very fair. I said, a lot, more, a lot more fairer and nice than what happened to Jesus. <laughs> that's not really what we think times. No, I'm not trying to be a saint here. But that's what I said. 
I says, oh, that's not very fair and very nice. I says, no, I says, it's a lot nicer and fairer than what happened to Jesus. <laughs> I love the subheading, and we'll close here. I love the subheading of John 13, and it starts at verse 18. This is a subheading in New King James. It'll be different in your different translation. But this is a subheading. I just love it. It excites me. See, I can get excited with subheadings, isn't I? That's what's wrong with you, Mark. No. This is what it's called in the subheading in the New King James. In other ones, it's different. Jesus announces Judas his betrayer. I love that. I'm going to explain why. Don't you love that? No, Mark, I don't. Okay. Others say Jesus reveals his betrayer. I love John MacArthur's commentary on this part. He calls it unmasking the betrayer. Why do you love it? Do you want to tell you why I love it? I'm going to read it again. I, I, I love it. Right. Jesus announces Judas, the betrayer. Do you know why I love it so much? Three and a half years it took him to announce it. Three and a half, how, how quick would you announce it? <laughs> Three and a half years before he announced it. When everyone was done, when all the serving was done, that's when he announced it. Do you know what it also highlights? Nobody, do you know what else it highlights? Jesus announces his betrayer. Do you know what else it tells you? No one else was any the wiser. Them any the wiser about your enemies? What? 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 Nobody was any the wiser. Is that not astounding? How well can you carry your enemies and no one would suspect your actions? It's a killer, isn't it? It's great, though. Isn't it? <laughs> See if you're a believer, you just—it's what, it what it says in we John, and you just love it. Or it's what it says. You just—it's hard as, as you go. Oh, it's, you love it as well. If I'm a believer, it's challenging, and you love it. How well do you carry your betrayers or your enemies? Let me add. Let me add. Some have created their own enemies and their own betrayers. It's not that MD's betrayed you. It's that you're judging people. And you think they're judging you back. You, you know that? I, I wrote a post about this this week. You know, to the measure you judge people, you'll be judged back. Given it shall be given unto you. It's nothing to do with money. If you read that whole scripture and look, it's, it's all about how you judge people. It's got nothing to do with money. It talks about in the charismatic church and the, 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 the church is obsessed with money. Given it shall be given unto you. Give £20, I'll give you 40 That's how they think. It's nothing to do with that. What it's actually saying is, 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 is to the measure that you start judging people, you think, you believe that that's how they're judging you. So you're actually getting the full measure of your thinking back to you, pressed down, shaking together and running over. Because of your own judging. John 13, 18, 8, 20. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled that he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Help me when I'm down, more or less. There's another way. Leon Morris says it in his commentary. Now, I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly, I say to you, he receives 
Whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Then it says in verse 21, 22, when Jesus had said these things, he said he was troubled in his spirit. Never troubled before it. Certainly not with this situation anyway. And said, most assuredly I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples, what do you hear this? Three and a half years walking with Jesus. Three and a half years, 12 men walking together, three and a half years. And then the disciples looked at one another perplexed. Could you honestly tell me that the people that you do life, we are perplexed and they're absolutely astounded that you had an enemy and they didn't know about it? I don't think the word would be used, perplexed. I think the word would be being, they never stopped rattling on about it. I think it would change there. And the disciples said, Jesus never stopped rattling on about that guy. <laughs> Am I right? They certainly wouldn't say perplexed. Is that the word that people use? And you go, I didn't even know that was going on in you. I didn't even know that was happening to you. Didn't even know that was going on. Why did Jesus only reveal him now? Well, it tells us so that we would believe that he is Jesus, the saviour, the son of God. That's why. He kept serving his betrayer to bring glory to God, to one's souls, to save lives, to show his power, to show his compassion. The most notorious and worst of all worst traitors in the history of mankind. And he served him. And nobody suspected him. <coughs> I mean, we're so are not happy until we're sharing the resentments with people. You feel, I feel. Pillar talk. This happens, this happens in relationships. Pillar talk. Talking in your intimate relationships about what you're not happy about and you're sharing your resentments. And it's mutual resentment. I feel, I want you to feel. We both now resent and have opinions. Now, based this in the scripture I've just said, someone is placing themselves above Jesus, okay? This is what mutual resentment is, right? Someone's placing themselves above Jesus, okay? So they're placing themselves above Jesus because Jesus says, if you can't serve the en your enemies, you're placing yourself above me because I did. So someone is placing themselves above Jesus, okay? That's what they're doing. Sharing the resentments. And somebody else steps in Wait you this. And supports them for placing themselves above Jesus. Does it get any worse? They're not, they're actually amening that you think you're above Jesus by supporting them. Does that make sense? Okay. You can you can get this in cat, you can listen to this again. No thanks. <laughs> you can listen to this again. You're in time. By no washing feet and you're now joining them and agreeing with them that they're above Jesus. And do you know what else? Not only that, you are also. Now you've got two people placing themselves above Jesus. I will close with this. Judas had plenty of opportunities to turn and learn. And what was his issue? Greed. Predominantly obsession with money. And Jesus gave him loads of opportunities. Think this is new. Jesus has done all his teaching. So just briefly. What about the message about the unjust steward? Judas was there. You know that Jesus was trying to help him there, didn't you? Jesus, you know that Jesus was trying to help him there. He's talking about the unjust steward. Nothing. Nothing. What about the rich young ruler? Was Judas there? 
Do you think Jesus would maybe be like, oh, here's a chance? <laughs> Nothing. What about the parable of the prodigal son who wanted to spend his money in wild living? Judas was there. On his final night at the final meal, the final night at the final meal, Jesus revealed his betrayer after earnestly and wholeheartedly washing his feet for over three years. We're now going to fittingly as we close take communion. And I don't think there's a better time to take communion after something like that. Where we allow Jesus to wash us again, okay? We allow Jesus to wash us again. But see, in turn, we start washing others. We wash other people's feet. Some of you have not been missed for taking communion. I'll just say this very briefly. Uh, if you're not at that place with Jesus yet, nobody's going to point a finger. That's why we don't pass it around. You just, go, you just sit where you are and you can just pray. You don't need to participate in communion. You're actually better not participate in communion if you don't understand it or you're not at that stage. Nobody's going to think anything less of you. Also as well, I often get asked questions as I don't know if I'm in the right enough place to take communion. And then I would maybe say to people, what kind of place is that? I say, well, I've had this going on in my heart and I've this going on in my heart and this going on in my heart. So well, that's all right. I says, we don't, it's no perfect people that take communion. It's repent of people that take communion. It's people that know. Just as we spoke there, big part of communion is about waiting in one another and serving one another and if anything you've got against one of your brothers or that and I think in time what we'll do is, is we're educating people about this but I think it's an important time for you to reflect and think about who have I been judging who have I been doing this to where am I you've had a week opportunity all week to do that where am I at with that where am I, where am I at with comparing where am I at with my jealousy Am I placing myself above Jesus or have I been placing myself above Jesus because I can't serve people? Have I got a posse who knows an agreement that I'm above Jesus? I mean, isn't that mental? I've actually got people, I've had people in my life who's been in agreement with me placing myself above Jesus. How bad is that? You're partying with somebody who's sharing resentments. You're, you're, you're feeding them the permission to be above Jesus. The true measure of your faith in this church and as we continue is this. This is it. I've got too much going on in my own life, I can't serve people. Really? Really, you're placing yourself above Jesus? No, but I'm caring for somebody. No, you're, no, you're caring for you. Because you're obsessing about one thing. I'll close this. Many people did Jesus, many, many, many feet did Jesus wash. 24. Yeah. No 22. Everybody's feet. No one. I'll just wash John's feet. He's a disciple that Jesus loved. If we're no washing everybody's feet, we're no washing anybody's feet. Truly. Seriously, if you think of that, if we're no washing everybody's feet, we're no washing anybody's feet because we're doing it for ourselves. This is what it says in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 11, 23, 25, For I see from the Lord that which I also received to you, that, in the, on the, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night that he was betrayed, on the same night, so this, we're talking about this time here. This is at the meal. 
took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat. This is my body which was broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after the supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant and my blood. He's the new sacrificial lamb. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Communion is about remembering that ultimate sacrifice and realigning ourselves with it again when we've not been aligning ourselves with it and bringing that to the table. Bringing the times of your unwilling to deny self and deal with that, you're bringing that again. And I would say if you're not ready to deal with that, just pray and we'll pray with you and we'll pray for you that, that you'll get to that stage where that'll happen. But if you're not, let the cup pass before you, just let it pass by the day. But if you're listening to this verse and listening to these scriptures, you're going, you know what? I honestly have been placing myself way above Jesus and this is the time to deal with that and realign yourself back to him and become a servant. There's nothing that I desire more in this church than that we become servants to one another. Really. It's all right to vent. It's not all right to venom. <laughs> yeah. I vent to my brothers in Christ every single day. I vent to this brother, me and him vent to each other because we pour our heart out to each other and we've built and developed a relationship a date with James, Callum, Andrew but what we don't have is that we don't have venom because we're coming with that stuff to humble ourselves, not to place ourselves above people there's one thing to comfort people in their struggle there's another thing to support their anger and their resentment it's a whole different thing altogether, placing yourself above Jesus. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Hope United. You can stay connected with us through our Facebook, Twitter and Instagram pages.